All right, Shane, hey, we spieled on long enough here. Let's get to our interview with Clark Brooks, a.k.a. SEC StatCat. Hey, we're pleased now to welcome back to the show Clark Brooks, better known as SEC StatCat. He's, I, for my money, he's the best follow on Twitter. Go to his website, secstatcat.com. Clark, thanks for joining me once again. I really appreciate you. Mike, looking forward to talking to you again. It's been a while. Yeah, and uh, I got to be honest, man, you're one of the few guests here we could spiel on before we even get to the recording. So that's how I know you're (laughs) fired up to be here, fired up to drop some knowledge. I really do appreciate it. And one thing that I'm seeing, like I said, at SEC underscore StatCat, if you're not following Clark already, you're doing your life wrong here. But he is jumping on just about anybody that is not aware just how great Chris Rodriguez has been for Kentucky's offense in recent seasons. Can you explain to the folks why you're so high on Chris Rodriguez and and why it seems like you have a, a vendetta against anybody that uh, speaks ill of Kentucky's star running back? Well, I mean, I don't know if it's just the Kentucky, you know, aura around him. Oh, it's just Kentucky football. We don't have to pay any attention to him. But for as much acclaim and love as Benny Snell got a few years ago, this kid is like a ghost in comparison. Benny Snell... As many yards as he gained, he was not an efficient running back. Sure, it helped UK grind it out and maybe win some ball games, but, you know, from where I sit, why not like the more efficient option? Well, looking at Mr. Rodriguez, he only was situationally successful on two-thirds of his carries last season. You know the next closest running back with at least 50 carries got? 54.9%, so about 12% higher than the next closest guy. He's heads and shoulders above everyone else. Number one in the nation in first down touchdown rate. Um, he was sixth in, uh, amongst the volume guys in broken tackle rate. And of course, anyone can follow good blocking. But what I like to look at when we separate rushers is what can they do after engagement. Anybody can run to open space. Not everyone can make a guy miss in the hole or, or, you know, beat a guy around the edge and get yards after that. So that is one area where you really like where he, what he brings to the table because, guess what, led the SEC with a 4.2 clip. Insane. It was a, a 0.4 yards higher than the next guy. Oh, look again. He's so much on his own level in terms of the things you want. No, he doesn't break tackles like Tanks Bigsby last season, but he still gets the yards after contact, and he makes those plays matter. And even though he's not the fastest guy, Mike, I mean, who doesn't want a back that always falls forward and keeps you ahead of the chains? I mean, for me, who likes to pass the ball, that is what I want out of my running game. I want to continuously not – I don't want to move backwards. I want to continuously fall forward, and when I give you these limited chances, you better well help us move the chains or sustain drives. And he did all that with uh, an anemic passing game, you know, to boot. So, I mean, how bad was Kentucky's passing attack last year, according to your data? Uh, well, according to my data, anyone's data, the, the, you know, uh, the traditional metrics, my <laughs> metrics, whatever you look at, they were one of the worst in the Power Five. There's just no getting around it. They were absolutely terrible. Um Eddie Grant was absolutely handcuffed. In my opinion, I think Terry Wilson was a little bit more of a, a gun-shy passer. He had to be goaded to take chances downfield. Same time, it's not like he had any guys he could really trust. Um, so in addition to the, the stale scheme, the iffy quarterback play, and just, just damn well no one to throw the ball to, of course, that's the result you've got. Um, moving forward, I would like to see, obviously, there's going to be a lot of emphasis in uh, – 
Big Blue Nation, they are going to hear the phrase marriage between the run and the pass. So it's setting up the outside zone and using the play action boots, kind of like what you're seeing from Cleveland, from the LA Rams, especially because that's where Liam Combe, the new offensive coordinator, is coming from. So it's going to be a little bit more balanced. You would like to think a little bit more quarterback friendly in that sense where, you know, you're, you're not going to be so obvious, you know, the tendencies of Kentucky. Oh, okay, it's second and 10. They're either going to run a counter or a screen or, you know, something a little dinky and dunky where they have no ability to stretch the field. Well, this time you can do play action shots off these outside zones and really sucker in people because they're a little bit more diagnosable um, from the defensive side as opposed to, um, you know, a gap play that can maybe take an extra beat to develop zones. Everybody's moving the same way. So um, as effective as it is, it still, you know, tips the hand. And, of course, Alabama had a lot of success running a lot of different play actions this past season. So um, even though there is a lot of potential in terms of, you know, there's nowhere they can go down, it's only going to go up, I'm just – I'm a little bit apprehensive to say how much better it can be because, again, they have a lot of questions at the quarterback position. Wondell Robson, fantastic addition. It would have been even better if he originally committed to your but here's the thing. This offense has had, you know, like I said, a very deplorable group of receivers who just cannot win one-on-one. They're not necessarily fast. UK's best passing offense in the last decade was in 2016. And what did that group have? Besides a competent quarterback, they had two fast receivers that could beat guys one-on-one in Juice Johnson and Jeff Bidette. So they have this advantage once again. And like I said, when you have someone like Chris Rodriguez to really take the attention of the defense and you have the speed that can beat guys one-on-one, the big plays can follow. But with the questions at the quarterback position with Bo Allen, with Joey Gatewood, who when he came in, when he was at Auburn, he was a glorified wildcat option. Nothing more. That's a hard guy to try and mold into a pro-style passer. So Will Tevis is also going to be in the discussion. But since he's enrolling so late, you know, he, he was not here during the spring. Um, I'm just really questioning his, his ability to grasp the offense and then lead this unit um, of guys he's known for basically two months. So, um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of concerns there, but I think it's going to head in the right direction overall. Now, you mentioned uh, Wandale Robinson there. I believe it was Barrett Salee of CBS Sports saying, Heisman buzz for old Wandale. I mean, are we putting the cart before the horse here? I mean, what, what are your thoughts on – on that uh that's yeah that, i think the piece was labeled an overreaction and i think that is definitely a fitting title for that take um he's going to be a, a gadget back so i would love i don't know if this is going to happen because uk didn't have a spring and they kind of barred media away so we really don't know what they're going to do tactically but i would love if they um instituted more pre-snap motion kind of like alabama did last year and Wandell, Robin, Wandell is that type of player to do that. So quick jet motion where, you know, um, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, before the ball is snapped, they're racing in front of the quarterbacks, face laterally orbit motion where they loop around the backfield. Um, so those types of tactics are, are starting to get a little bit more popular. They're trying to tip defenses pre-snap into their, where they're going to rotate single high or stay in too deep. And, of course, that will trigger quarterback reads and make it a little bit more friendly. But if you don't have that speed to tilt the people, you know, it's, it's not an effective tactic. He is that type of player who you have to watch every snap, kind of like Glenn Bowden was. And 
I kind of, <laughs> I would have loved to see them two in the same team, but of course he originally went to Nebraska and they kind of bummed out the, BP, the BBN. But yes, he is that type of player where um, along with Chris Rodriguez, you have to absolutely watch every snap. Um, now the terms of volume he'll receive, I highly doubt he would be up for the uh, up for the award, even if Kentucky went undefeated to get him into that you know threshold there. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it's just because they have so little weapons already on the roster, he's bound to make an instant impact no matter how he's used. Now, do you have confidence that uh, Kentucky's got a third receiver that could step up be, uh, behind Robinson and of course Josh Ali? Um, not at the moment. You know, Michael Drennan gets some some buzz. I was high on Clavon Thomas, but of course he he hurt his ACL in spring practice. So um, Tay-Tay Coons could be another guy to watch. But, yeah, there's really not anybody I've seen that I'm like, oh, gosh, you know, that guy's going to be good um, in-game action just because, you know, it's really hard for them to stand out in that uh, that previous offense when they were basically blocking the entire time. Now, how do you handicap the uh, quarterback competition at Lexington? You may have tipped your hand a little bit there with uh, your Joey Gatewood comments, but uh, is Bo Allen a better fit for this, or, or do you think it's Will Levis potentially? Gosh, it's so it's so weird. I, you know, it could really be any one of these guys at the moment. Bo Allen, when he originally committed, he was like Mac Jones stick. He was skinny. He needed to put on weight. You could tell when he was throwing last year, his arm just was not there. Um, even seeing the limited clips and on that spring special that ran on the SEC network, um, his low release worries me for a short guy. He's only about 6'1", 6'2", real height. So that could lead to a lot of batted balls, and that could lead to turnovers and drive killers. So that worries me. Joey Gatewood looks the part. He looks like, you know, if you were to dream up a quarterback and mold him out of clay, you would get Joey Gatewood. Problem is, he can't really throw the ball that well. So um, if Kentucky is still going to try and do some read option stuff as opposed to doing more under center pistol stuff like I was talking about earlier, um, absolutely Joey Gatewood could be that short-term option. I think the Penn State transfer probably will be the better passer. But, again, I'm just so, you know – I wouldn't say untrusting, but I just don't – I don't feel entirely comfortable handing the keys of the program over to this guy um, who has been on campus for so little because, you know, regard, I know Mark Stoops' job is safe, but let's be honest, back-to-back losing seasons isn't ideal. Mm-hmm. Now, moving on from – well, no, last thing on Kentucky because I want to ask you this. Who, in your opinion, who's Kentucky's uh, biggest rival right now in the SEC? Uh, I would say Florida. Um, traditionally, obviously, it's been Tennessee, but it's, it's obviously a very one-sided affair. And even though um, they definitely got their joy kicking Tennessee's ass last year in Knoxville <laughs> for the first time in a very, very long time, and getting a, and helping getting a coach fired at halftime, mm-hmm. so I'm sure I'm sure the BBN loved that. But at the same time, I think they view themselves as Florida as the bigger um, modern rivalry because the games have been more competitive the games have mattered more in the standings. Um, Kentucky could be a dark horse for the SEC East this year. And of course, they're going to have to go through Florida and uh, Florida could be vulnerable with a brand new quarterback. Uh, well, thanks Clark. You just lost us our entire Tennessee audience. Kentucky is a, jumped past Tennessee on the floor. And I, I can't argue with you on that one. I mean, look, from a Kentucky's perspective, it's a very one-sided rivalry. I mean, I get you guys would love, love to have like a whipping boy and someone you can always count on winning, but um, I don't know. Just the games I look forward towards more in terms of like charting and like what seems what matters between the two teams is definitely Florida and Kentucky. I don't know if it's just because the game happens earlier in the year, 
But for whatever reasons, the last three or four seasons, um, last year excluded, Kentucky has looked flat playing Tennessee. Like even the year where they had uh, Josh Allen and Benny Snell at his peak, they went down to Knoxville and just looked completely dead in the water, and they let Jaron Garantano beat them back-to-back years. Mm-hmm. So um, even though it definitely does sting Kentucky fans for them to lose to Tennessee, I think the Florida games are viewed as a little bit more fiery these days for whatever reason. Well, speaking of Florida, Emory Jones was in the news here because uh, I believe it was pro football focus had him as a projected number six overall pick in the 2022 NFL mock draft. And that's, this is why I say you got to follow SEC Stat Cat on Twitter because while other people got these hot takes, you drop some uh, knowledge and data after that. So what was your thoughts on Emory Jones being projected as a top 10 pick? Um, look, that's the way the NFL is going. They're really focusing on athletes who can extend plays with their legs and make these wow throws. But here's the thing with Henry Jones, he has not shown the ability to, com- to throw the ball accurately downfield. His depth-adjusted accuracy was about 36% the last two seasons, which is not good. You want that thing around 50-55% for a, a pretty good quarterback. Great quarterbacks will be in the 60s. So if you're below 40%, and, you know, you, you're you basically running plays that are packaged especially for you to uh, take advantage of the defense when they're sucking in. Um, it's not the best look. Now, I think with extended reps, I think the offense is going to be a lot better this year. And I don't think he's going to be that inaccurate moving forward. I think definitely Dan Mullen's going to put him in situations to succeed because, after all, He's elite running the ball. He was basically top five across the board in every efficiency metric. And, of course, I know it's easier for quarterbacks to run the ball because the, the, you gain that additional blocker in the, you know, in the Q run game. And if you run counters, you bring that extra body. It really gets fun. And then when you do these bubble screens that really test flank defenders from crashing in, then it gets extra fun. And, of course, Florida does all of that. So, yeah, I think he's absolutely going to be effective. It's just a matter of I know pro scouts are going to want to see him perform in the drop back game. Mm-hmm. I have not been able to see him do that, and that's where I have questions, even though he is absolutely um, very equipped to succeed this season and help Florida contend for an SEC's title. Now, I really wanted to ask you about uh, LSU's quarterback competition. Of course, uh, T.J. Finley's hit the transfer portal, and Coach O has come out here on Tuesday and said, you know, this is a thing between Miles Brennan and Max Johnson, like I, I assume we all believed it was before, but uh, – Based on your data, who would you go with between Miles Brennan and Max Johnson? Because I think the the answer here for LSU could really dictate how good of a season they have. Yeah, I mean, they're two different style quarterbacks. Miles Brennan, um, he definitely likes to press the ball a little bit further downfield off play action. Johnson wants to move more laterally. But here's the thing, Miles Brennan, number one. In accuracy, number one in depth-adjusted accuracy last season in the SEC. Even better than Mac Jones and Felipe Frank. So Hmm. keep that in mind. Um, He is going to be one of the better pinpoint guys. And, of course, um, you know, as much as LSU stretched the field under um, Joe Brady, and, of course, they're trying to run that stuff back this year, bringing back Pete and Mangus. So they're going to do a little bit more – um, run and shoot type of tactics underneath stuff. And of course you need to be on rhythm with pinpoint accuracy with precision. Now, Max Johnson, he's not a slouch in this regard, but it just looks like miles. Brennan is just further along in that respect. Plus he already has a leg up because he knows the offense a little bit, you know, he has a little bit more experience with this offense. So I think, I mean, 
obviously I can go into the different things, whether, you know, it was deep passing, intermediate, drop back off play action, pressured. Basically, Brennan has the edge or they're dead even. So um, now looking at um, Johnson's accuracy, so if I were to just drop Brennan's, he was 47.4% on deep accuracy. Johnson's 42.7. So just, you know, 5% off. And, of course, that could be about a completion or two um, a game depending on the volume. So, and of course, explosive plays are very correlated to wins and losses. And um, I just think Brennan is the better suited person to take advantage of when defense is finally tired of rallying to these underneath passes that he can definitely uh, make them pay over top. All right, one uh, offense I really wanted to ask you about, and in particular their starting quarterback here, Eli Drakowitz going into year two at Missouri. What are your thoughts on the, on his what he's bringing to uh, Columbia there? And and really the guy that I'm just having such a hard time evaluating is Connor Basilak. Some people love him. Some people, well, I'd say most people love him. And it, and I'm just trying to scratch my head at uh, what what they're seeing that that suggests he's one of the best quarterbacks in the SEC. Yeah, he still has issues um, delivering an accurate ball downfield, and that's going to be a problem. But look, here's the thing. That was just his first season of extended action. He's going to be a third-year sophomore this year. He was learning a brand-new offense. So um, he definitely has the quote-unquote game manager label at this point in time, and it doesn't help him that Missouri's favorite pass pattern was curl flats which is just synonymous with conservative passing. So um, it's, you know, nine-yard curls and everyone else running a, a one-yard flat. So it's not stretching the defense vertically at all. So um, it's not a um, an offense that really required him to deliver pinpoint precision, just like I was talking about LSU's completely different offense. It's trying to razzmatazz you with outside zones and lots of wrinkles off of it, play actions off of it. Um, I kind of like how I like – Kentucky might play. Missouri runs a little bit more, you know, modern stuff. Of course, they do triple options and stuff off that, a little bit more spread than what I expect out of Kentucky. But it's basically the same stuff I was talking about earlier. So um, he's definitely got to show up that he can throw the ball accurately downfield, beyond 10 yards downfield. Like I was just talking about um, the two LSU quarterbacks, both over 40%, pretty good. But Miles Brennan was just a little bit better. Baselack, 25%. Only a quarter of his deep passes were on the money. So if his guys are always going to have to adjust to his passes, that is not necessarily great for long-term success. The result-based metrics kind of like him. He was top 35 in EPA per play. But uh, you know, EPA can be kind of fraudulent. Like I said, it's more team-based than player-based, kind of like success rate. So that's why I like to definitely look at the process best things with quarterbacks. So like accuracy, where is he, where is he placing the ball? How far is he throwing the ball down? Stuff like that. Now I wanted to talk about uh, one of your recent articles that again, you can find at secstatcat.com. I don't want you to have give away the entire information here, but uh, the article I'm talking about four offensive sec trends and three offensive concepts that I like, that's the title of the piece. But uh, what I specifically wanted to ask you about, and the listeners can check out the the full article again at secstatcat.com. But early down passing and why that's critical to success in college football. What can you tell us about that? So the average pass gains more than the average run, and the sooner you buy into that philosophy, the more yards in theory you're going to gain and and put you in positions to score points. It's that simple. So obviously. A lot of teams like to ease into things. It's a physical game. You want to get the pads popping. You want to get the blood flowing. That's normal. But at the same time, if you're trying to win the game, you want to go for the plays that are a little bit more efficient. So 
Um, early, early down passing is increasing in the SEC. Now, what do I mean by that? By early, early? Well, that means starting games passing. You're not waiting to the second quarter, third quarter to start passing on first down. So you have a deficit. This is in your game plan. Well, that is on the rise in the SEC. And you might be saying, well, not so fast, Clark. Well, duh, the air rate hit the SEC. So passing is naturally going to be up. Well, if I were to exclude the air raid at Mississippi State, it still is trending upward. So um, it remains to be seen because we still have a, we have a, a, a numerous amount of new offensive coordinators and offensive minds in the SEC. So um, that could definitely change. But I love that at least for the last little bit, it is trending that way because naturally I like to chart efficient offenses. I don't like to chart 90 plays of three-yard runs. That's not fun. I'm, I'd much rather um, study the designs of plays that go for 60, 70, 80 yards, more so than, you know, eight. <laughs> All right, last thing for you, Clark. This is uh, kind of a hot topic this offseason. Two of the perceived to be best quarterbacks in the SEC returning, Matt Corral, JT Daniels. You talked about that also at secstatcat.com. And before we get rolling here, I just want to admit – Man, you were dead on, dead on this time last year. I had you on the show. I still am a big John Rice Plumley guy, but you said doesn't make any sense. Matt Corral fits what Lane Kiffin wants to do, and, and damn, you nailed that one. So uh, I really trust your opinion on this, but what can you tell us, Matt Corral versus JT Daniels, which one is, uh, is the better quarterback in your mind? Uh, it is very, 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 very close, but one – factor and i hate to sound like a broken record but it's just coming up you know just ever so naturally it's deep passing that is what's separating the two daniels even though his dudes are coming down with a a great number of uh deep passes his accuracy has been crappy um his depth adjusted actually is bottom three his other his just raw accuracy um is fairly middle of the road for that reason if we were to just look at throws beyond the line of scrimmage, but tw- uh, 19 yards in, these guys have a, basically the exact same resume. So that is really the only thing that's separating them besides like situational splits. So like if you were to look at third down or pressured passing, it's really close. Basically the only things that are separating them are, you know, drops and little things like that are, that are situational. Their result-based metrics are really, 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 really close. Now, all encompassingly because of um, Georgia's, let's just say, aggressiveness and Todd Monken's philosophy. It's a little bit more vertical passing than in years past. No one has a higher deep passing rate than JT Daniels. So that's obviously going to skew his numbers a little bit. So like I said, if he's not accurate and he's going to do this a whole lot, well, his whole sample is basically going to be um, you know, soured a little bit. Mm-hmm. So you've got to keep that in mind when you look at the numbers, but – as of right now, based on having Lane Kiffin in his corner and having more continuity and being, I think, the more accurate downfield thrower, spoiler alert, Matt Corral is my QB1 for 2021. All right, he's Clark Brooks, a.k.a. SEC StatCat. Got to give him a follow, and I've linked uh, his articles. You can find that in the show notes. You got to check out the website, secstatcat.com. Clark, thanks for joining me. I really appreciate it. This is some outstanding insight. Love talking with you, Mike. Have a good one. All right, Shane. So how about that? Clark Brooks dropping the knowledge, talking some SEC football. I think fans are really going to appreciate that one. 
Golly, Mike! What a, I mean, that, what a load of information that was. That was I, I always loved having him on. It, it just, it, I, I just <laughs> sometimes you listen to some guys, and you're like, man, they're just old. They're really smart. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot smarter than me. So it's like <laughs> me watching Jeopardy, you know, and I get like two answers right. So, but anyway, I, I no, I really thought that was great. I appreciate him taking the time. I appreciate you getting him on. Uh, because he always has great information, and, it's, it, and I don't know. I always like to look back at these and, and say, you know, at the end of the season, how close were those stats? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right, and, uh, you know, like I hit on, on the interview, remember, it was this time last year, I was talking up John Rice Plumley, and mm-hmm. uh, old Clark came on the show and said, you're looking at the wrong guy, man. It's Matt Corral all the way, and he really nailed that one. So, Absolutely. I mean, I, he's got so much information and, and, you know, what I really like about uh, him and, and there's other guys that do it as well, but uh, you know, there's, there's data to what they're saying instead of just spieling and, right. and throwing out crazy nonsense, like, uh, like we've been known to do, but <laughs> they, they actually do the work. And, uh, and I think it just makes a, makes the info just that much more valuable. Absolutely, man. Well, hey, buddy, uh, I think that's all we got on this one. You got anything before we hop off here? Uh, No, I I will say, Mike, uh, we're talking about it a little bit before and after and during the show here. I really like this call thing. Uh, It's starting to grow on me, and uh, I think it's going to be really awesome when the season ends or when the season begins. Mm -hmm. You know, some of those tough break losses, we've all been there. I'm even going to call in. First thing I want to do, man, after we – after we upset Alabama and Henry's and Henry T's not smoking a cigar, mm-hmm. I'm going to get on there. I'm going to ramble for about good five minutes. Probably going to be drunk <laughs> as shit, you know, but it's going to be well worth it. But we also know depressing Shane's going to get on there every now and then too. So I just, I, I don't know. I just take advantage of it. And it is the off season. We're not going to be able to answer a lot of questions during season. Cause mm-hmm. there's just going to be so much information to get into, mm-hmm. but during the off season, if you got questions, even if you think they're stupid, they're not call us at six, one, five, 800. I figured this out, Mike, the number, the last four is five, six, eight, three. That spells love. <laughs> <laughs> So I may see these on the stall somewhere there in Nashville. So it's 615-800-LOVE. You cannot forget that number. Call in. Get us some questions. Get this. Let's get this party started. It's list season, baby. And it's your season. We do this podcast for you guys. So we'd love to answer any questions that you have. Hey, absolutely, Shane. That's a, that's a great note to, to go out on. And, uh, you know, as always, like we like to say, give us that five-star written review if you haven't already, we've got the Missouri and Vandy koozies on the way. So we got all 14 SEC teams covered. And don't forget, uh, you know, we're really trying to grow this YouTube page as well. That SEC podcast on YouTube, that's really starting to take off. And we're going to have video content coming this yep. season. So uh, really trying to get that thing up and going. I, there's nothing worse than spending uh, 10 hours on a video and getting two views on it so <laughs> i'm trying to avoid that as, as much as i possibly can oh man we're gonna be so active too on the video platform this year uh we're really looking forward to that gonna have a countdown gonna do a whole bunch of cool stuff uh you know so just hang in there uh we're growing with you and uh 
appreciate you hanging out with us here in the May. And Mike, I appreciate all the effort, man. Getting out here, getting some of these great interviews, great information. I mean, who knew these little nuggets of, of info were sitting out there in May? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, man, I I live for it, brother. So that's why I'm doing it. So <laughs> I appreciate you. I appreciate uh, all the listeners for hanging out. And uh, we just passed a million downloads. So that was a big milestone for us. And, and we're happy to be here for the next million. But uh, hey, that's all I got, brother. Thanks for tuning in. And thanks, thank you, Shane, for hanging out. Catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go Vols. All right. You ready? <laughs> yeah, man. I'm ready. I'm ready to open this cold beer. Hey, what's our number? Oh, it's 888 what? No, it's uh, 615. Oh, that's way off. Okay, 615. Uh-huh. 800. Okay. 5683. 5683. I'm just wondering if we can make a word out of that, you know? 5683. Oh, love. <laughs> really? Yeah, 56. L O V E. I don't know if we could roll with that, though. I mean, that's we're pretty, SEC. That's pretty funny. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> God. Let's see. J O. It could be J O. T-E, Jote, Jove. Um, yeah, no, I mean, love. That's it. 800 love. <laughs> Ain't that something? <laughs>